We're recording. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hello. It's happening. It's happening. This is just as bad as our last episode. This show, is. But that's okay. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Anthony. Hello. We're back for, for episode two. Episode two. Which Electric is... Boogaloo. Yeah. What does that make? See, because I've always heard the second part of that meme. Is there a third part? What? Electric Boogaloo? Because there's, there's, there's episode one, which is the episode, and then episode two, Electric Boogaloo. Well, and isn't it from... Isn't it like... Saturday Night Fever, Electric Boogaloo. Saturday Night Fever 2, Electric Boogaloo, or like Boogie Nights 2, some Electric Boogaloo. Movie had it's yet, some probably. 70s dancing movie. Anyway. Russell Greystone. <laughs> Russell Greystone. Uh, hello, welcome to the um, pub. Um, let's, let's not rant and ramble as much as we did. Too much. Yeah, fair. Last time. Okay. But, you know, but like, we've, got, we've got a few things. We have many things to talk that, about. That we'd like to talk about this week, which is good. Because it's been hot as absolute balls this week, hasn't it, John? <laughs> it's, it's, um, I've melted a bit. It's, it's mm. been pretty, like, cooked in both. It's messed <laughs> up. And, and I've literally <laughs> cooked myself in my own oh. juices. Um, it's been all across Australia. Um, mm. Some parts have been hit hard, but where we are, it was pretty hot. It was pretty hot. And it normally gets pretty hot here. And it was... Extra spicy. Yeah, we had our I think two two records in a row. Like the hottest day mm. in recorded history was on Tuesday, and then that record was broken on Wednesday or something. I remember yeah, saying. So, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a bit intense. And you know what the thing is? It's only December, right? Like so, got all of the rest of summer. I'm looking forward to like you know those days in February where there's like a whole week of like 45. Like I'm not sure how how is like society is meant to to actually function. Just have another um, one of them, yeah. And obviously, you know, fires, bushfires. In Australia, they get pretty wild. Um, and Very wild at the moment. We're yeah. seeing just some ridiculously massive fires in, in New South Wales. Mm. The smoke... Like, have you seen the photos of, like, Sydney? Like, they look, like, post-apocalyptic. Oh, I saw the one of the... Um, was it the one that Shadat Lay posted out of the view of the plane? Mm. And then it's just yeah right like post apocalyptic just it's insane. so like it's black and then there's flames it's yeah it's, it's from a movie it looks like something from Mad Max or something like the Sydney looks deserted like mm. I see like there's like Instagram ads now selling like stylized air filter masks and like that's and that's sort of cool in a way and like the idea of like you know I get to justify to myself yeah. I get to wear this cool mask. <laughs> Because <laughs> the air is just <laughs> unbreathable. But be, just because we've, we've actually irreversibly poisoned uh, the, the atmosphere. Mm, and even well. in Melbourne, like I hear like the smoke from New South Wales is reaching down to Melbourne. Mm. Um, and obviously there's some, some pretty big fires in the Adelaide Hills. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Well, maybe Queensland. Is there anything happening in... No, but nobody likes Queensland. I like Queensland. Queensland, <laughs> listen, Queensland is great. It's the most beautiful but also most racist place <laughs> in the world. <laughs> it's oh. it's great. It's great. Brisbane, it's a, it's a good, take the good, it's a good city. Um, as someone from Adelaide, a city that uh, is often described as like having never left like the eight, the 90s or mm. even the 80s, I feel I feel at home in Brisbane. It's very 90s city. Mm. I can say that. But I anyway. can say that. But yeah, so climate change, yeah. it's... Is responsible. Is well. Is it, Anthony? Sorry. Allegedly responsible. <laughs> Allegedly responsible. <laughs> no, 100% is. You kidding me? Um, That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, obviously, mm-hmm. climate change affects the different places in the world differently. Mm-hmm. But it looks it's like... It's extremes. Yeah. But it looks like in Australia, it's going to be droughts 
and fires that are mm. going to be not good. And I guess desertification of farmland, that's that's bad as well. But I guess we're already yeah, yeah. seeing like the start. And I was thinking the other day, like, do you ever think like how we just have to deal with this for the rest of it? Like I was sweating and I'm just like, I have to deal with this till I die. Like it's just yeah. going to get hotter and yeah. hotter. And The issue is that it's because it's an incremental change. You're right. You just get used to it over time. Yeah, what is it like? Is it half a degree every year or, or something? I don't know. Like whatever the increase is. I'm not like, sure. But even that, if you say half a degree on average globally, over yeah. the course of 20 years, that goes 10 degrees up. So if your average is 20 before, your average has gone 30 degrees over the course of 20 years. In another 20 years, your, av- your average temperature reaches like 40 degrees. And that is that's fucking that's, that's insane. Ridiculous. But because it's this in- incremental change, yeah. it's like the whole thing... The thing that I try find myself comparing it to is there's... Oh, I can't remember where I read it, but there's this thing where, like, if you put your hand in a pot of water that's very slowly boiling, you mm. won't realise that it gets completely burnt. Yeah, isn't that how you, like, and you cook frogs or you cook lobsters yeah, or something? Yeah, exactly. That's the uh, that's where I heard it from, probably. But you yeah. don't realise until you're cooked in the end, and we're probably yeah. following the same path. We're just oh. in denial about the fact that... Yeah. That we're slowly being cooked alive, which um, which is rough. Well, here's the thing, Anthony. I feel like you and I, we have the capacity to solve climate change. That's I, why. That's I why we're here I today. Have the capacity to solve climate change. <laughs> so, the climate the is changing, mm. and we're pretty sure it's from fossil fuels. Fo- well, fossil fuel. I'm sure there's like, you know, this is ones out to the vegans in the audience. You know, methane all from cattle. animal, <laughs> yeah. like all the cat cattle and stuff like uh, that. Um. How would you, what do you think is the best way to kind of approach climate change? Or at the very least, how do you think Australia can contribute to combating climate change? Well, great. I'm so glad you asked me this question, John. I've been, I've been burning. I've just been, uh, I've (laughs) been, I've been been listening to like Kerry O'Brien, like old 7.30 report repeats and just been like, I gotta learn. I gotta, I gotta get better. This one's for Laurie Oaks. (laughs) (laughs) Those hard hitting questions. Um. So uh, the backstory from my my perspective is that climate change has been a fucking issue for decades. Yeah. And the fact that it's taken this long to get anywhere, and the fact now, I mean, get anywhere is even perhaps too generous a uh, a description of of what's happening at the moment. But the fact that that nothing's happened over the course of twenty years mm. is just ridiculous to me. And it's like. The people who are currently in denial about it, like, when they first found out, they were in a position to, like, mm. take the steps to do something, which is ridiculous. But if we're thinking of approaches to take, I am I'm a big fan of, of nuclear power, Jordan. Nuclear power? Is I it nu- nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. I'm sorry, self-conscious. Nuclear. nuclear power, I think, is where, where I'd like to see things go. Mm. Because I don't know if... Ugh, it might have changed as to how it works, but from what I recall, the issue with the existing renewable things like solar, wind, mm. and hydro and stuff was that it was very difficult to be able to store it and then efficiently distribute it right. away from where the power is being sourced mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't... Is that still? I, I'm just. I, I. I'm gonna. I don't know if it still issue. is, but I know what you mean. Let's just say. Let's that's say the it's issue. a current. Yeah. Let's just say that's um, the issue. And and the other issue, always particularly with solar, was I feel like the the minerals or the 
materials that you needed to make yeah. the actual solar panels yeah, are like rare as fuck. Mm-hmm. So there are these these issues here with renewable. I think this was one of the let's say challenges with the the advocacy approach for just making everything renewable kind of Australia wide as yeah. a as a policy approach. Right. Was that the proposals that or the suggestions that people thought of or that seemed to come up was about kind of looking at South Australia's solar capability and yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at wind farms and, and even hydro and things like that. But there was there was never a, from what I saw, a never kind of actual funding proposal for it or a look at what would actually be involved in order to initiate that process yeah. Australia-wide. Right. So there were definitely huge, huge challenges there, which is why why nuclear power was kind of, I guess, where, or particularly from my dad and his science background, kind of, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. particularly where that where that idea was born, and the fact that we're like sitting on, I can't remember. I think we, I think we're the highest. Yeah, no, we uranium, are. Australia yeah, is the largest uranium reserves in the world. In the world, and it's like, if you're going to pick any space of land or any country to have nuclear power on Australia is like far and wide probably the best option because mm-hmm. we've got fuck all in the middle so we've got ample space yeah to be able to house this stuff we've got the minerals that we need we're not on like fault lines or anything yeah. so we're not at risk of things like earthquakes or tsunamis or anything like that um I mean, for the sake of argument, we've got a stable, quote-unquote, political system no, and that we're not, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're no, not at risk no, of, like, like the military's not going to seize the nuclear power Exactly, plant, right? or, like, um, kind of terrorist a- attack kind of thing. We're yeah. not, like, you know, we don't have any land borders, so That's we're, true. we're really good at kind of protecting the environment, things like that. So, just kind of environmentally, politically, yeah, stability-wise, it's just the best kind of option and i don't understand why it's so difficult and even even if we wanted to just commit normally to like solar power or wind power or hydro power yeah. why like why the fuck is it so <laughs> hard for a government proposal to say look we're gonna put yeah. four billion dollars towards setting up this huge solar power plant in some area yeah 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 and it's creating this many jobs chops and growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why why is that not something that's happened even from, like, an opposition proposal from another party or especially the current governing party? Because I think that... Well, this is another, like, fucking political... Yeah, yeah. ...scaling down tangent or whatever, but the issue with the current, like, the Liberal government is that there's such a... Like, there's two... It's it's a divided internal faction where you've got the conservatives who are, like, for some fucked up reason or whatever, (laughs) are are actually the ones who seem to have, like, the power to do stuff because they want to get the government. And then you've got a more liberal side who I think are actually Mm. a lot more accepting about the issue that's at hand and what and how to kind of go about an actual way of moving forward. Yeah through that process and creating something like that. But yeah, it's, I think, I don't think it's fair to say that nothing's going on, but it's definitely not enough. And there's no, I just like conceptually, I can't understand why, why nothing exists as like a proposal. You like, know I don't, why. I don't understand. You know why? I, I Coal 
is the most valuable and largest export of Australia. More than steel, more than copper, more than like uranium. Coal is what this country runs on both economically <laughs> and like physically. So, oh, so true. Yeah. like I, I mean, it's hor- horrific, but I do really understand the political position from yeah. these kind of government members who are effectively mm. getting lobbied or I guess for some of them probably aren't getting lobbied. It's more that their their kind of electorates are like, say they're from like the Hunter Valley, right? Yeah, yeah. Where there's coal mines and coal factory, coal factories, coal power plants. And, you know, they, they're worried about how that would, would, would impact their, mm. you know, chance of re-election. Um, mm. But we do, we have entered this new stage now where, 10, 20 years ago, if you had run on a policy of renewable energy, I don't think it would have gone anywhere. But now you, in a way, can counter that fossil fuel, Mm. lack of jobs kind of electorate fear Mm. with this kind of renewable energy policies. So, for example, say you're running for a seat in Melbourne. You are not going to necessarily run on a, we are going to keep the coal power plants up. We're going to build new coal power plants or build a new coal mine. Um, Like then you go to someone like Barnaby Joyce, uh, a character in every sense of the word, who's like, yeah, no, we need need to build more coal power plants. So it's just about money. It's just where all the Mm. money is. Because like as a society, I don't think anyone actually really cares. Like in your day-to-day life, most people I don't think actually really care about where their electricity comes from. No. I think, you know, we are more environmentally conscious now in that we are just more aware of where our energy comes from. At the end of the day, people aren't going to be massively impacted. And so, for example, in South Australia, was it last year or the year before? Uh, it's probably two years ago now. You know Did what I'm talking about? Out? Yeah, the yeah, big yeah. blackout. The fucking um, renewables were blamed. I bloody know. renewables. Um, which, of course, wasn't true. It was a transistor Everything that went down. Fell over. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but so, okay, so, okay, so going back to nuclear, mm. so you've, yes. we've seen things go wrong with our more traditional power, right? Yes. Things falling over, yeah. whatever. What makes you so confident that something won't go wrong with nuclear power, which I'm sure is the big mm. thing, you know, people yeah. talk about Chernobyl mm-hmm. and people talk about Fukushima. Yeah. How is Adelaide not, is Adelaide not the next one, Anthony? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, you don't know. Uh, Um, Well, that's exactly the point. The fact that you've raised two, and I think there's maybe one more nuclear disaster. Yeah, Three Mile Island in the United States. Fucking ever. And Chernobyl was because it was, it built in what, the 1930s or? No, later than that. Um, no, Chernobyl was just, I think... But it was like fucking stupid. Well, actually, built, if you if you watch the show, it's the it's the graphite tips on the boron. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's you should watch the show. You'd you'd love it. You'd love it. Actually, you might oh, not. Cool. It might depress you and be like, oh, cool. um, but still, like that was stupidly fucking bucked up the <laughs> like safety I said, measures. <laughs> watch the show. <laughs> so so yeah, you know, watch it if you want a more yeah <laughs> more eloquent description of the problems there. Fukushima was like pretty pretty well contained, wasn't it? In in its well, okay. So I will preface this by saying I'm not necessarily pro a nuclear expert, <laughs> not a nuclear expert, or even pro nuclear energy. But I do find the science behind it fascinating, mm. and so and just like the outcomes. So for example, Fukushima, mm. obviously, 
big earthquake and then a ginormous yeah, yeah. tsunami, right? And you can't really combat that. But the thing is, at Fukushima, it's similar at Chernobyl in that the safety standards were quite lax. Mm. It was human error. Um, because a, another nuclear reactor, either further up north or further down south along the coast, I can't remember mm. which, um, survived the tsunami, which was hit by tsunami, relatively okay. Um, and there are really significant sections of Japan that are you know, out of bounds now around mm. the region. Okay, so it did kind of... Not like, not, not ginormous, yeah, nothing like, like Chernobyl, yeah. but um, it it definitely impacted a lot of stuff. And I don't know how it impacts the seawater because I actually think radiation diffuses in the ocean, but I don't know about that. Again, mm. not a nuclear expert. And I don't know anything about Three Mile Island. Um, I'm assuming... But that was ages ago as well. But, but the point is, like, you're looking mm. at these three examples which, like, so clearly had safety faults in their creation and then on the other side you're looking at like such success stories in places like germany which i swear i read was like running completely on nuclear power for a little while i'm not sure or one of the countries and i swear there was at least one country that was either running completely on nuclear power or very close um on to to running just on nuclear power right um but it's just such a an efficient energy source and look i appreciate comments about like everyone's big fucking concerns about radiation and all that stuff and like fair yeah don't get me wrong it, it's a problem if it gets out or if yeah, you're yeah. touching it radiation but, bad yeah but i'm just like especially at this point may, maybe 20 years ago you could be a bit more okay we need to take a lot more steps and yeah. things but look Frankly, at this point, if we're fucking up the environment, we might as well go big and just like... <laughs> <laughs> just the, this is our last You know, shot. either at, at the risk of like yeah. fucking it up more, mm-hmm. the benefit of being able to do that is just so vastly good. All right. Okay. I, I really understand your argument. Okay. So, you, so you're saying it's safe. We have good safety standards here in Australia, good construction methods. Um, we have like a high level of education and or I just... think we've got the, the space for it as well. Mm. Whereas if something goes wrong, it won't be like we're not we're not Japan. We're not yeah. like dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the risk of a nuclear the, the risk of a spillage or mm. a failure to contain kind of thing. The mm. the actual risk to human life and environmental life is much lower. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. I. Well, you know, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. Mm. No, so <laughs> I I do know a little bit about this. So mm. I, I'm going to bring up a couple of issues. One, yeah. public perception of nuclear energy is not good. That is a challenge. In Australia, <laughs> it's it's not good. Um, you know, it, it, in a, well, I don't. Well, I, I can't, I can't tell you the why. Problem. I can't tell you why. People don't want it. Like for example, oh. what, three four years ago now, South Australia had like a. a kind of a referendum on was a referendum or something like that i think it was a referendum or like one of those storing the waste yeah Yeah, so in a way that was almost a referendum on nuclear power at least in this state and it quite clearly came back like 60 percent no we don't we don't want to store nuclear power um so i think that should be the first hurdle actually convincing people that it's good second nuclear energy requires a lot of water something australia is much it's really well known for lots of abundant (laughs) water south australia especially you know so you have to combat that and i know Mm. i don't know if you can use seawater i know it has to be purified beforehand so there there's that the third thing cost like they are extremely expensive to build 
they take a, a long time to build and comparatively to solar panel solar panels or, or wind turbines not hydro as much because that school's also really expensive mm-hmm. to build um it's just it's so astronomically expensive but i do understand some of your things so for example with the uranium you know we do have this resource and it'd be different right if we were completely not using this resource like if mm-hmm. there was an australian policy be like we don't want to support nuclear power mm-hmm. but we actually ship uh, uranium across the world for example we ship mm-hmm. uranium to india uh infamously not even part of the nuclear proliferation yes, treaty yes, yes. so um, we ship uranium that is able to be like enriched you know for nuclear reactors but also mm-hmm. nuclear weapons to a nuclear armed state that is mm-hmm. almost constantly daily at, at the outbreak of war with another nuclear armed state of pakistan so <laughs> i think that might be hypocritical in that the idea of of you know how are we how are we doing that um, what we're, we're using our uranium yeah. the thing is not and for good. Australia actually yeah. does have a nuclear reactor it's the Lucas Heights reactor in Sydney um, it's where Australia makes all of its nuclear medicine from so this idea that Australia is sort of nuclear free is, is not true mm. we have a nuclear reactor um, I don't know if you could produce any energy from it it's quite small I, but I would doubt it yeah and I also think you know there's there's big mm. issues about you know where do we store this like you, you mentioned with big open areas, but I think if you tried to turn large areas of outback Australia into mm. nuclear waste storage areas, you would come into pretty big conflict with indigenous advocacy groups mm. because, you know, fuck, they don't want to see their country that's be irradiated. I don't think that's fair after everything they've gone through. Mm. So how do you store that? You know, in The Simpsons, you see big barrels of like green slime but it's like pencils or pens that were used in the reactor or during the construction they have they can sit in nuclear waste pieces of paper it can be everything or anything i think the cost is so massive and the time that i'm not sure why we would pick it over something like solar power like for example australia we have an abundance of kind of sun solar energy mm. like as we've just seen the sun really hates australia but <laughs> The thing is, with China, and of course I'm turning it to China. Yeah, yeah. But with China's kind of massive industrialization, China puts trillions of dollars into renewable energy. They've effectively changed the global market for solar panels massively. So 10 years ago, it was so expensive for solar panels, but now mm. they are maybe 70, 70% of that cost has been reduced. So like 30% of the price for however much you need. Mm. Um, and they keep dropping. So solar panels keep getting cheaper and cheaper. Same with wind turbines. So economically, it's smart to put it. And then it's much more better for public opinion. And it doesn't take as long to construct. You don't need to do water. You don't even really need to retrain people in that. Like you can relatively easily train, you know, for example, ex-coal workers into kind of solar power or wind turbine maintenance and kind of construction much easier than I think for nuclear Mm -hmm. engineering. But I, I don't know. I don't know if there is a space. I just don't think there's a space for it in Australia. But for other places, for example, like, for example, China or, for example, India or places that have really rapidly growing populations, a really high need for energy all the time Mm. and, you know, a real big history of pollution. So, for example, China, like I said, puts the most out of any country in the world into renewable energies, but also produces a lot of pollution. Mm. And, you know, like, I don't know if it's fair to say that you know like china is a developing country i don't know if like we in the west can <laughs> that say debate yeah, yeah. <laughs> depends where you are but like i don't know if we in the west can be like actually no you can't develop like we did and destroy the planet like we did but that's that doesn't matter that's already happened Jordan. that's already happened um 
Yeah. Uh, so it's mm. it's it's a big issue. And I what I do think should happen is that I do think that nuclear power should be more part of this the broad debate. Whether I think it should happen mm. or not, I don't know. I personally, I just think it's better environmentally, public perception wise, and cost for for solar and wind. Mm. But I do think that you know. Nuclear energy doesn't really get its voice heard in especially kind of green energy spaces. And, you know, because for a of bunch of reasons. the history that it's had. Yeah, and it's because it's not yeah. seen as a renewable energy source. Yeah. Um, so I don't yeah. know. It's it's certainly interesting. Because no, you're right. At the end of the day, it's not inherently renewable in the current, like, what is it? Fusion or fission? So, yeah, it's it's... But that, that debate yeah. is, that's that's a fine debate if we were on mm. completely renewable energy. But mm. we're not. We're massively exporting and using coal. Yeah. So in a way, anything would be better? I don't know. Yeah, a, a, a coal and, and mine that's... produces more radiation than a nuclear power plant ever would. So mm. through uh, sciencey ways that I'm not sure how it works, but I remember reading that. And uh... and I guess that's really where, where this ends up and... Uh... Don't don't let my my passion for nuclear power just because it's kind of scientific basis yeah um get in the way of the fact that like solar and wind and and hydro if there are yeah. ways to be able to implement them effectively and be able to get over the the hurdles and and challenges that mm. they face with respect with respect to storage and distribution and things like that yeah. then hundred fucking percent should that be, <laughs> should that be yeah. uh, an approach that is taken but I think I think at this point that I'm strongly of the belief that yeah. you're right in that nuclear nuclear power should be part of the debate more than it currently is. Mm. And this this public perspe- perception issue just really like gets my nerves a bit yeah. about nuclear power because it's a in my opinion it's unfounded comparably to what's currently happening and yeah. just yeah. That I agree. People, I think that People are scared of it for for reasons that aren't necessarily yeah. logical in quotation marks. So, and like I said, like I, I hope that I kind of made some points, like economically and and range of reasons why maybe it wouldn't work. But yeah, I, oh. I feel like that's need to be what the debate is, rather than a kind of mm. a, a scaremongering campaign. Yeah, um, yeah, very true. And the the water issue is 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 definitely um definitely a big one. But you need you know a lot but, of people know. are talking about hydrogen power, right? Oh, and like um, with the storage for energy, you know, we have all this lithium battery technology. I'm assuming yeah. that can somehow like. Yeah, but like if Tesla's the only fucking one offering us like solar batteries, yeah. <laughs> and apparently, so, like anyway. I think, a f- like I think we yeah. found out the other day, it costs like ninety million dollars to build that. So that so that's really expensive for like batteries that I don't really know if they've they've done anything. I think they came mm. online a couple of times because um, I know that when South Australia went dark a few years ago like it was a big thing because no one actually cares about south australia but then on the news they're like oh you know an area the size of like portugal and spain is completely without power in australia yeah yeah i think the big issue is that that coal stands in the way of so many things so for example coal the the coal industry is both against solar and wind but also against nuclear so the coal industry it's in the coal industry's interest to use like nuclear as a scare tactic to almost split this kind of renewable energy movement into separate factions when really we should sort of be working together to, to overthrow coal well and oil, but we don't have any oil in Australia. Um, we're already in America. We already have American troops here anyway, so the oil would just bring more of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if we found oil in, in the center of Australia? 
Fucking but like I said, there's like you know pine gaps already out there. That's probably why they're just they're just like they're just like just in case they find oil there. <laughs> oh, such a great connection. But yeah, but this oh this fucking transition into like I'm I'm swearing a lot in this. I'm getting very very <laughs> yeah, you're passionate episode. about I nuclear I do, energy. I do, do apologise. Um, well, okay. This how, like how now, Anthony? Thing. You now just go back to politics from relating mm. to nuclear energy. Mm. You are someone who has voted liberal in the past. I have. Um, and I know you, you're definitely much more of that kind of, you know, moderate liberal. Mm-hmm. So, for example, mm-hmm. Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah, that's, that's fair, yeah. Um, now, he was Prime Minister, and, you know, now he's not Prime Minister, he's talking a lot about, you know, how important yeah, it is to... he's coming out with some great views. Would it would have been <laughs> fucking great if he had done that when he was Prime Minister. Oh, uh, right, PM, yeah. But uh, how did you feel about kind of conservative faction of the Liberal Party just dominated the, the discussions? It conceptually fries my brain. Right, okay. <laughs> um, to be honest, it just... I st- still struggle to understand how, from my perspective, seems to be such a small, like, focused group of individuals and people can have such a huge influence on Australia-wide domestic policy. Right. And this, I mean, this cascades into, like, an insane debate about how electoral boundaries are drawn right, and, like, yeah. voters and swing states. Or even and, just, and like, how easy it is these days to just roll a PM. Yeah, this is, um, this podcast is from Hawaii, by the way, with our good friend, you know, Scott Morrison right next door. <laughs> <laughs> Topical, that you know, that links. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I saw a, a photo of him recently hanging out at one of those God, he's, he's such <laughs> cursed energy. Like, like... I don't know, like, you know, you want to blame someone for somehow we ended up with a Scott Morrison prime ministership, like, that, that that's the conservative faction of the Liberal Party, somehow Peter Dutton and Tony Abbott somehow shot themselves in the foot, kill, but managed to kill off Malcolm Turnbull, and now we have a, a Scott Morrison, the weirdest cult member prime minister ever um it's it's been a challenge be nice yeah. if the labor party could actually win an election but you know um <laughs> but yeah it's just it's just so weird as to how how that's so effective and how there's a push for it yeah like there's this whole thing in uh, i don't think this is confidential or anything i think there's like a, there's a push within like the young liberals for a conservative faction um there's like they're trying to in the young liberals or the young nationals young liberals okay interesting. a a conservative voice is trying to like overthrow the kind of current moderate right of interesting Interesting. of the young liberals i know nothing about the young lib internal policy i'm much more like i know what's happening in oh not that i'm like no no i know i know i know know. secondhand knowledge Um, because i know that the nationals had like an almost an alt-right like hardcore alt-right coup mm. not necessarily conservative but like white nationalists almost tried to take over the new south wales branch of the young nationals mm. um but i don't know much about them. so and continue. this is the thing and so there are like there are multiple branches in yeah. if i'm correct in remembering how it'll work so there's like there's multiple sub branches and then they get a say or vote in who the nominee becomes for the ballot right. that they submit as to who the candidate is for the electorates. Okay. I think I think that's how it works. Interesting. I didn't realise I had so much say. So I'm pretty sure there's like all these sub factions of like the young liberals, there's like women's council and then there's like SECs. Wow, okay. 
Like There's a women's council with the Young Liberals as well. Not part of the Young Liberals, okay. it's separate. Right, separate, right, right. Okay, now I understand. I know what I mean. So that, yeah, I think they all get a vote. Anyway, there's this big, like, there are conservative coups happening. Yeah. Like, that. that's so hard for me to understand, is that, like, it's such a small, it's such a small part of mm. the broader party itself, and, yeah. with all due respect, the broader philosophy of yeah. the party itself that it was built on in the first place. Right. Which was not particularly conservative, like... Right. I'm pretty sure Men- Menzies was like a moderate, moderate right? Or am, uh, I, am it, I moving out of... I don't know. Menzies, Menzies is an interesting case because he was around so long and he definitely changed over time. Because, mm. you know, we entered from a... He came in originally pre-World War Two. Yes. And yes. then we he leaves height of the Cold War. So his, his politics do change a lot. Um, plus, yeah. Australian electoral politics was very different back then, also back true. in the also day. True. So it's now, like, I feel like mm. we're still playing catch-up to just how wild everything is these yeah. days so um, i still don't understand but like from from my understanding fun, fundamentally two australian parties are like center right and center left oh yeah with effectively. like some yeah. effectively with like just different approaches well traditionally to like it has a, economic a policy and pointed towards the center at least. exactly exactly um, and then you've got parties on kind of further yeah. further out from that um and it's just so weird that now there's been such such a shift internally like Australia is breeding more mm. conservatively minded people that want to get into politics. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> See, like this is the this is what makes me wake up in a cold sweat at night. Like it's a nightmare for me. Um, because I'm not sure where it's like you. Yeah, I don't know where it's coming from because it's not like the Liberal Party's been part of like nine years now. Yeah. Or however many years. years. Like almost a decade. Mm. It's so it's not like the left has been ascendant in Australia in mm. any really way, shape, or form. Mm. In South Australia, we had a, a kind of a centre-left Labour government for, mm-hmm. for quite a long time. Um, but again, no one cares about South Australia. But it's... Uh, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, for example, like, would you say it's, it's happened with the election of Donald Trump, Donald Trump in the United States? Um, with Trump in the US, that mm. we've seen kind of, I don't know, a, a, an emboldening of these kind of ideas? But if they are, like... Mm. Why? Like the we had conservative yeah. government for almost a decade now. Like, yeah. why do they think actually we need more conservative government? Yeah. Are people like because young liberals now were kids when say Julia Gillard, who was like let's say the mm. most left wing mm-hmm. prime minister we've had since. Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> like, let's say like Bob Hawke and Paul Keating, even though they're not really that left wing. Um, <laughs> neither was Julia but Gillard, yeah. but <laughs> it's. Uh, they were children. They have no institutional memory of mm. kind of left-wing politics and the impact it's had. Mm. And is it is it like societal things? Like, is it maybe... Mm. I don't know. It, cause it's so, and, and also, it's like, it's not... I mean, obviously, each political party is going to spin their successes or failures how they want. But it's yeah. not as if Australia has had, like, insane, booming success under conservative... Government. No. Like, it's not... Uh, the successes that have come out of that government are not so vastly, yeah. like, more brilliant than anything that's happened in the no. past. When was so, the last time you looked at the Australian economy and it was, like, doing well? Like, when was the last time employment mm. fell or, like, wages rose? Like, they've just been... Like, we haven't necessarily gone down, and that's part mm. because of our reliance on kind of a resource-based economy like mm. people always like china mm. u.s everyone wants a piece of australia yeah, literally sure. in the form of coal <laughs> but um 
and Darwin. <laughs> but like our actual economy kind of sucks. It's just been the same for the past twenty years, and it's just stagnated. And, and this just... is this is that's you know same with labour. It's it's been about the same. And you know Kevin Rudd had to deal with the recession and everything like that. But mm. even then, Australia didn't get hit that hard. So I'm just not sure where this this feel comes from. Is it a cultural thing? Maybe people are like, oh. Like, young conservatives are feeling like, oh, maybe the gay marriage kind of plebiscite impacted that. Um, you know, I think the discussions on, on gender identity are, are kind of mm. much more prevalent in society now. But, like, I don't, this, is this, that enough to is that enough to embolden a whole generation of conservatives? Like, exa- is it? Exactly. And this pisses me off even more because these are people who are not involved in either of those Yeah, I just, it's things. very confusing. So, like, they have literally less than zero right to express a view <laughs> about the issue. Yet, yet this is making them yeah, yeah, yeah. more, you're right, emboldened to come out with those opinions. I just... I, I should... I this started on that. No, no, it's like, I... I, I see, I didn't really... I didn't involved. know... I did not know much about what was happening in the young. I didn't really wasn't aware of this. Mm. So um, I've certainly learned something. Um, uh, how the benefit of do you think? Knowledge. What do you, do you think? Yeah. Like, are uh, this kind of new generation? Are they? Are they a religious generation? Like, are they informed by kind of? I don't know. Maybe they're like, or or is it more of a kind of like traditional like hard right wing stuff? Like, where is where is the ideological base from it coming from? That's a really good question that I'm not sure about. Fair enough. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's it's almost... Obviously, I don't know if this is true. This is literally talking out my ass. But okay. it's almost as if the empowerment of groups like yeah. kind of LGBTIQ community, yep. um, obviously with the same-sex marriage bill, things like that, all of those, like, the empowerment of those groups right. seems to have... Let's use hashtag triggered, but no, no, has, okay. has like has resulted in a greater willingness for people who were previously happy with life as it was to mm. now come up and say, you know what, fuck these people, I want the status quo back, kind of thing, where yeah. they were oppressed and no one really gave a shit about them, but yeah. my life was great, I want that back, kind yeah. of thing. I feel like that's. Those timelines seem yeah. to sync up in a way. Uh, I agree, uh, but you know what else is weird though? That like the idea that this would be a kind of electoral success, this conservative, this kind mm. of new conservative movement, because like Australia had like a massively like like damaging to to many communities, but like the mm. gay marriage plebiscite came back with quite a strong yes mm. vote. So I'm not sure where the idea is like, actually, this is how I'm going to get elected and this is how, you know, this is going to work and this is, you know, this is the silent majority when really the the majority voted for for yes. So I I don't know. And it's not like a conservative, like these conservative groups, I think, would ever be able to have the capacity to kind of roll back on on laws like that. I just, I don't think Mm -hmm. that just... That would happen to the Australian public. I don't think anyone that voted no at the time would would be comfortable with that, unless you're like really hardcore right. Mm. Um, because you know, as um, you know, in Australia we have um, mandatory voting, elect- yeah, yeah. Uh, voting, but it wasn't for this plebiscite. So even people who voted no, like who didn't vote at all, sorry, um, I don't think would would be okay with with mm. any of that. So it's it's certainly a conundrum, and um, it's it's kind of scary for our country because. And the left in this country, and when I mean the left, I'm kind of extremely broading, and I'm going to include the Labour Party here, which may get me like, may or may not be left. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah no, sure. uh, I might get like a pipe bomb sent through my letterbox or something. But 
it's um it doesn't seem to necessarily somehow be effectively challenging this and like yeah. globally like i think you know for example in the united states you know donald trump and stuff like that has definitely emboldened the right mm. over there and really the only threat there see like like the actual counter to it would maybe be sanders the like bernie sanders as, as the kind of candidate for the demo mm. the democrats but even then he's well, he's like possible candidate. possibly like he has to still fucking win it but like even then like mm. in america he's left but if you put him in europe or you put him in a like if you put bernie sanders in australia like he's just a regular labor left politician you put him in europe he's just a social democrat like you put him in germany he's just sort of a run-of-the-mill left like center left candidate yeah, so because he's in the us he's like fucking nuts yeah he's, he's like he's like the insane. new lenin because yeah. he wants like free health care <laughs> and like, like or like a gun or like, like <laughs> basic human rights. it's not even like it's not even like yeah and like even like gun control something that like super conservative prime minister in australia john howard mm. implemented um like maybe the most conservative prime minister we've had in a ever because mm. in that he didn't do any like conservative in the sense that he didn't actually change much about the country oh, yeah, he no, sort he of just sort all, of put it in neutral and let it drift <laughs> And because of that, we came out. Did we end up with a surplus under Howard? Just like something. Oh something no! It, Peter Costello would have done it. The Peter Costello prime ministership that this country missed out on. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just I just don't know where it comes from. And maybe it's a class. Maybe it's like you know a class thing in that wages have been stagnant. You know, people feel not in control of their labor and the way they make money, and so they're kind of reaching out and looking for any kind of political ideology that can in some way they think can alleviate that um i don't think that if anyone's listening to it who's think that like conservative way to do that is is what you should be looking for but you know do whatever you want but yeah i don't know let's talk about let's uh, talk about something more upbeat maybe what what else yeah, what, sure. what what should we well, should we about? should we leave this as like the political episode and then the, have another one that's a bit the, more <laughs> all right okay because okay. we've fucking ranted yeah we did for we did. 44 and a half okay <laughs> This uh, we're going to end the episode here. Um, so this is the end of episode two. Um, it is. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll have a next episode. Anthony, thank you for thank you for joining me here in the um, oh in the our lu- in our luxury Hawaiian apartment. Yeah, very nice. Um, Sipping pina coladas. Yeah, just with, um, com- trying to forget about how Scott. this country is on fire. But the thing is, me and Anthony, yeah. we have no responsibility really to remember no. that. Um, it's almost maybe the the prime minister, <laughs> the most important man in the country might but whatever uh, okay okay do you think that this would have actually damaged his credibility scott morrison or do you think people are going to forget this uh that's a great question um well the funny thing is that uh one of the one of the videos going around was scott morrison like berating someone on q a for for leaving in the in the midst of some other disaster or right something. Okay. i reckon that was that was you know, dug up and, and released as a quite amusing thing. But being hypocritical as all hell is just the norm for, yeah. for politics nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, given given the, some of the shit that's happened and if we're truly following that kind of American conservative path in the same vein as yeah. how support for Donald Trump exists yeah. as a thing, um, then I honestly think that this might actually be forgotten in, in the very yeah. near near future and we'll look fondly on this memory as scomo just implementing yeah. his uh, bushfire action plan and leaving leaving the area instead I, of um sticking around i agree i think 
when this has happened in election cycle in that there's not an election for literally years yeah. now <laughs> this is like if, if this was going to happen to him now because people don't have that kind of memory to remember it i think it will you know mm. i'm sure the labor party will bring it up later in the future i yeah. think it might impact liberal votes a little bit in the areas that were hit by the fires directly mm. yeah i can see that can um see that. and especially like any firefighter that is voting that has ever voted liberal i don't think will you know also we just want to say firefighters absolute heroes for fighting this doing all their stuff yeah um well. just uh, just so cool but insane job i i imagine that he has lost a lot of respect in that regard but you know mm. it's the electoral politics something new comes out like next week and we'll have forgotten about it and then yeah. by the time the election comes around no one's going to remember the fire well might, fuck maybe the fires will be worse who knows we can't tell <laughs> by next election cycle, they're yeah. just still going no this is this is the thing he's this, still in hawaii is, by then <laughs> no this this is the beauty of the uh the winter election dates ah we're right. in great weather won't, won't, won't be do problems. you remember the uh, malcolm turnbull bill shorten um election a few years ago, it was a winter election, and literally the entire time, both candidates had like a cold, and they sounded like they just everyone sounded like this the whole time. Everyone looked absolutely miserable in the freezing cold. Um, oh, but they they campaigned their little hearts out. And do you ever think about look how, at them now? Do you ever think how Bill Shorten lost an election and then they took him back to another one and then lost that one? As well, to well. be fair, he did he did actually win a lot of Labor seats in that first election. Not to not to down on Bill Shorten again. <laughs> like, I'm sure he does that enough for himself and, you know, oh, he, he gave it a shot. He, That's all you can say. He's, he's a funny man because there was, at, at the time of Rudd and Gillard's kind of backstabbing uh, yeah. adventures, they were saying how Bill was the mastermind behind it all and then... Oh, mastermind Bill. The only person left to backstab was himself and he managed to succeed at that, so... And now we have Anthony Albanese. Yeah. Who, um... Who, who to be fair, is... Taking a much better approach. You think? I think he's taking a much worse approach. Well, in certain policies, like in in the okay, to the extent that his um, uh, rhetoric around renewables is a lot better than what it's been in the past. Yeah, like he's okay. not throwing uh, throwing an answer out there without any kind of basis behind. It. He's not he's yeah. not throwing money money at the problem. He's trying to build it up as a thing, right? To address the issues. On which Bill failed. In that sense, I think he's doing better. Yeah. In a broader political sense. But is that a strategy yeah. for electoral success? We don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like, it's, Can you, you know, imagine another Liberal election? <laughs> oh, I don't want to. But the thing is, like, I actually can because the Labour Party has consistently just failed. Like, my entire mm. life, it's been a failure. Like, the you know, my political awakening... <laughs> was watching Kevin Rudd for Kevin 07 on BTN behind the news (laughs) at school. And, um... Fucking BTN. BTN. Oh, man. That was... Like, I was just like, wow, politics is a thing. This is interesting. And then... So that's my first political kind of engagement is seeing Kevin Rudd Mm. and then just the whole Labour Party almost eat itself alive. Mm. Um, And then, since then, we've just had continuous Liberal governments. And no, no one in Australia actually, I think, likes any of the candidates for the Liberals. Like, Malcolm Turnbull was the only one that had any real public support, and he squandered it. Mm. Tony Abbott is seen as, like, a reviled lizard man. Um, Peter Dutton, I think <laughs> people just people just don't... He's just a very unlikable figure. Like, he's a cop, it's right? Like those faces. I just don't know if a, a police officer could ever get elected in, like, very larrakin Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and then we somehow end up with Scott Morrison. And it's just... Mm. Have I missed anyone? 
No, I don't think so. You missed uh, Brendan Nelson as Brendan. Oh, leader, I'm sorry, Brendan. Who Nelson. was like, um, you know, an actual working with the other side kind yeah. of politician. I, 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 yeah, he got ousted. But well, Julie Bishop. Know. Julie Bishop. Well, everyone froths Julie Bishop. I, yeah. I, but the liberal, I the, the, don't liberal. quite understand why. Yeah, neither can I. For me, she's like a, a vampire that like sucks the souls out of just everything she's around. She's she's not a, she's uh, not good, but yeah. I she is at least like competent. You know, like that's that's very true. And this is when you can see she is the, very competent. I respect that. Yeah. The differences in Australia and America, and that mm. Julie Bishop and Hillary Clinton have effectively the same policies. They're very very mm. similar politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both kind of very competent in in what they do, and they have a lot of respect in that regard. Um, mm. They're both kind of they're kind of like government supporting all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah um but i just don't think that in australia like there's any kind of feminist support around a julie bishop kind of mm. shot or a julie bishop liberal party leadership well not anymore obviously and maybe this is like us reminiscing on on past dead <laughs> history but i just don't ever see that happening but regardless yeah, it's uh it's interesting. It's Maybe interesting. we should just pull a Finland and just reset everything. Elect like some thirty-year-old. Yeah, like I got, to leave the country. I think that's not even there. that's not even a, a terrible Cause... idea. Like. Maybe you know they should. Maybe you and I should run the country. Yeah. Like it's like we have all the solutions, John. We're we represent both ends of the it. political spectrum. Like we can solve climate change like that. Um, I um, already we already know our foreign policy is is very like extreme, like even scarily pro-China. <laughs> At least, yeah, like even to us, we're like, oh, is this a bit too oh, pro-China? It's like, no, we're gone. Um, oh, it's God, not even the yeah. the Spratly Islands belong to China. It's like like. All islands belong to China. Yeah, if it's in the sea and connected <laughs> to sea, another landmass, that's China. Um, we'll maybe we should have an international relations episode where we talk about all the kind of stuff that's going on in the world mm. um, and why China's just <laughs> so great at it. And why, yeah. Oh. This podcast is uh, also sponsored by the Belt and Road Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it there. That's On the, that. That's the best ending ever. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we'll see you in episode three. See you next time. Thank you.